0: Hey friends, I want to welcome you today to another episode. I'm going to be walking through Matthew chapter 4 verses 23 through 25. I hope you'll stick around and join me and maybe we can discover something together. Hey, I want to welcome you once again wherever it is that you are tuning in from Today's episode is available wherever podcasts are found and, of course, on YouTube as well. So you can watch this on video, on Spotify, on YouTube. Uh, You can also just listen to the audio version as well. All that I ask is, uh, wherever it is that you're tuning in from, that you can either uh, give this a thumbs up, a like, a heart, uh, whatever it is, and that will help all the different algorithms make sure that this can maybe get promoted to some other folks, maybe they can get a dose of God's word, because I think that's what we need today, right? We 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 need God's word. So would you help me out? Give this a like, give this a comment. If you're not subscribed, subscribe to the channel as well. All right, well, let's get right into it. It's Matthew chapter four. We're going to be looking just at a couple of short verses. Let's read verse number 23. The Bible says, and Jesus went about all of Galilee. I want to pause there for just a second. Now, in these Few short verses; these are condensed. Matthew is is kind of writing in rapid fashion. These verses cover the span of several months. Now, how do we know that, and where where do we get that from? Well, we get that from the phrase "He went about all of Galilee." Now, Galilee really is either big or small; it's a matter of perspective. But we do have some information about the region of Galilee. Um, it was seventy miles by forty miles. So you tell me, is that big or is that small? Uh, One of the first century historians, this is a man by the name of Josephus. This is where we get this from. He says during the first century that there were 204 cities or villages. And this comes, um, again, directly from a historian by the name of Josephus. So from that, what we would gather is that this would take several months in order for Jesus to kind of fulfill this uh, evangelistic circuit, if you will. Now, going back to the the Scripture, because Matthew says he went about all of Galilee, we need to remember that this is the beginning of Jesus' ministry. Why is that significant? Because he's been baptized, affirmed, and empowered by the Father. He's been tempted in the wilderness. He's now gathered some disciples, and guess what he's doing? He's demonstrating, ultimately, what they're going to be doing. So right off the bat, he goes and he begins to teach in synagogues. I don't want to take for granted that we all would know or understand what, even what this word means. So what exactly is a synagogue? Synagogue is simply a gathering place. It was central to the life of all Jewish people. It was a place of, of education and training. It was a place of worship. And this came as a result of necessity from a period of time about 500 years prior to the time of Christ period of time known as the Babylonian exile. So uh, most of the people of God had been deported or exported, whatever language you want to use, into the area of Babylon. So they were unable to go to the temple to worship. And so out of necessity, they began to develop this system of education and training and worship known as the synagogue. And that carried forth all the way into the first century. And of course, when they had returned back into the land. And so Jesus is actually capitalizing and utilizing this particular system of the synagogue. Now, it would have been very commonplace during the first century for a synagogue. As long as you had 10 families, you could establish a synagogue in a town or community. So it'd be very commonplace to invite a rabbi that would be traveling around or a rabbi Um, that was over at a nearby village or town to come in and to teach and to preach. Now, is there a difference between teaching and preaching? The answer to that is actually yes. Now, traditionally speaking, teaching would involve the mind, the intellect, and it's for instruction. That would normally be done in a formal setting, but the rabbi or the, the teacher would be seated and he would teach. Now, when it came time to preach, this was more of a proclamation. So, in teaching, they would exposit—that means they would give the explanation or the meaning of an Old Testament passage of Scripture. Now, during the time of Jesus, they would actually be on a particular reading calendar, so they would have their normal readings, and then there would be an uh, explanation of the text. Now, there could also be an opportunity for preaching as well. What's the difference? Well, preaching was actually done standing up. And this would be a proclamation, a declaration. Not so much for teaching, although there could be some teaching included in the preaching. But the preaching would be proclamation, a declaration. It's the heralding of a truth, an eternal truth. And so we see the the, the mode, the method, and the content of what Jesus was actually doing. So what was he preaching? He's teaching. Most likely he was using the Old Testament scriptures, but then preaching the gospel of the kingdom. What exactly does that mean? What is the gospel of the kingdom? Well, we don't have to wonder a whole lot because embedded in that is the same message that John the Baptist had been already declaring. The gospel of the kingdom says that the kingdom is at hand. The kingdom is here. Repent, get your heart right, get your life right, and get ready. This is the, the, the heart of the gospel message. And so teaching, preaching, and then notice healing. So Jesus is making sure that he's hitting all areas of life. The teaching, the intellect, the preaching appeals to the heart. It demands or compels someone for a decision. And then healing in the body. So we have mind, body, uh, spirit, your heart, all those areas, Jesus is absolutely concerned about. Now, coincidentally, the, the teaching would be modeled by the Apostle Paul and by the uh, rest of the apostles as well, because Paul was famous. First thing he would do when he would go and travel is he'd go and he would look for what? He would look for a synagogue, right? And so um, Jesus is the ultimate model. Now, I want to make sure that I make this plain, because Jesus was not limited to a formal institution or a formal location. What do I mean by that? Well, we already have in the previous section, where was Jesus teaching? He used a boat, didn't he? He got into Peter's boat, and he began to preach right out of that boat. You say, well, that's not in Matthew. Well, it's actually found in Luke chapter number five when you, when you kind of mash it all together. So Jesus, Jesus used an opportunity to teach and to preach wherever he went. We're actually going to see in the very next chapter that he, he, he's going he's gonna to teach from the side of a mountain, right? That's called the Sermon on the Mount, the Mount of Beatitudes. Why is that important and why am I telling you that? Because oftentimes we think that we are limited to teaching and preaching. First and foremost, we think that that's limited to a particular title or a call. And I want you to know that that's not the case. Um, you don't have to be uh, a pastor. You don't have to be an evangelist. God has called you to speak. You can speak to your friends, your family, your co-workers, and you don't need a formal place or a formal institution. You can go around and spread this gospel wherever you are at. And so I think oftentimes people feel like they are limited due to due to their status, due to their title, due to their position, whatever it is. So again, I just encourage you today, reach out to some folks and uh, use whatever means is necessary to begin to uh, do, do your part by teaching and preaching. So... Jesus is healing all kinds of sickness, all kinds of disease among the people. And then, of course, we have in verse number 24 that his fame went throughout all of Syria. So here we have a geographical location. A couple of things with this particular location. Um, There are various different commentators or interpreters that have, uh, you know, speculated on a couple of different things. First and foremost, the way that Rome looked at Israel in the first century Anything north of of Jerusalem and outside of the region of the Galilee was considered Syria. So that could be what Matthew is actually talking about. But it also could be the actual geographic Syria, which is just north of Israel today. Regardless of that, the point is still clear that Jesus' fame is spreading out and spilling outside of the borders of where he is ministering which is pretty incredible. So what is the result of that? They begin to bring him all the sick people who are afflicted with various diseases and torments. So Matthew is very thorough in his explanation. Those who are demon-possessed, epileptics and paralytics, and guess what? He healed them. He healed them. What is this? This is a demonstration. Now, Jesus has been talking about the kingdom of God, and now He is demonstrating the kingdom of God. What does that have to do with us today? That is still our mission as well. It is three things. We are to teach and preach and pray for the sick. That's what we do. We preach, we teach, and we pray for the sick. So Jesus healed them. Now, what's the the other result? Of course, verse number 25, great multitudes followed him. I just want to stop and, and emphasize this particular word here, because in the previous section that we've read, um, it says that, <clears throat> notice that, that Jesus makes a call, and he's making a call to Andrew and to Peter and to James and to John, and he says, I, I want you to follow me, and it says that they followed him. What does that mean in that particular context for Matthew 4, 18 through, through 22? It means that they became Jesus's disciples. Now, is that what Matthew means here with the multitudes, that they're, they are now becoming disciples? No, not exactly. It just simply means that they followed him. And so, of course, they're following him. Now, within that crowd, there definitely would be a mixture, right? There, there could be some people that genuinely believe in who he is and what he is preaching and teaching. And then there could be some folks that are just following him, And uh, because they they want to receive the benefits that Jesus can provide. But I think that it's interesting that we have a great multitude that followed him. And then notice the description, okay? I hope you're still with me. Uh, Stick with me here. Verse 25, great multitudes followed him. From where? From Galilee. Now notice the next phrase, from the Decapolis. Now you might not catch this. What in the world is the Decapolis and why would Matthew be mentioning that? Well, he would mention it because there were folks following from the Decapolis. But what's interesting with this is the Decapolis is on the opposite side of the Sea of Galilee, and it's known as Gentile territory. The Decapolis is a a a, a ten city province made up of that that's Gentile land, that's pagan land. So who's following Jesus? Ah, we've got some some Gentiles right now. For those of you that are Bible students, or if you have a good memory, there is a passage in Scripture in the book of Exodus. When God brought the people out of Egypt, what kind of people came out? It was it was a multitude, but it was a mixed multitude, wasn't it? So it wasn't just those who were ethnic Israel. I mean, we there were some Egyptians, there were some there were, there were some, some, probably some Ethiopians that were in there. We, how, do you know, how do you know that? Really, Ethiopians? Yes. How? Well, Moses kind of married an Ethiopian, didn't he? So there's a mixed multitude. Now, what is Matthew doing? Because he is presenting Jesus as the new Moses, we're going to see that now he has a multitude that is following him, And then in the very next chapter, in chapter number 5, Jesus is going to be up on a mountain, and he is going to give him Matthew 5, 6, and 7, known as what? The Sermon on the Mount, which we could also say is the Torah. It is the the constitution, I guess, if you will, of the new covenant. It's the terms of the covenant, all that's going to be found in Matthew chapter 5 6 and 7 so again let's 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 bring this in verse number 25 great multitudes followed him from the galilee from decapolis now also from where jerusalem and judea and beyond the jordan now what's beyond the jordan what's beyond the jordan out in the desert out in the desert it's also some gentile territory that's out there so this is this is in a nutshell, Matthew chapter four verses twenty three through twenty five. I want to say thank you so much for joining me today. Um, my goal is just to be an encouragement, uh, to edify you, to uplift you. If there's anything that I can do for you, if you've got any questions on the text, or if you want to interact, hey, just leave me a comment, and I promise I'll get I'll get back to you. Right? I'll I'll say hi. Whatever it is. Um, And if there's anything, of course, that I can pray with you about, just let me know. I hope you'll join me for the next episode. God bless you.